Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where each week you and I meet a guest who will help us pay attention to something we should know about as well as answer some of your questions. This week we're talking about homelessness, tackling stigma to help get unhoused people into jobs, the disproportionate effect of the pandemic on those experiencing homelessness and how we can individually help to support people. So joining me this week is Alex Stephanie. Alex is the founder of Beam, a social enterprise which runs the first crowdfunding platform to help unhoused people access training, stable employment and homes. The message is you can make a difference and you need to make a difference. So if I could start by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and then a bit about Beam and what is it that you guys do? Sure. So my name is Alex Stephanie. I'm the founder of Beam.org. And Beam is a totally new and totally different way to help a homeless person for the long term and to really see the impact that you're having on that person's life. And this is how it works. You go to Beam.org, you can effectively meet on our tech platform all the different people that we are supporting. These are individuals um, living in homeless hostels, living in women's refuges, overcoming all kinds of different challenges. You can then fund any of the barriers in their life that are standing in their way. Uh, It could be stuff like training or childcare or tools or textbooks or rental deposits. And we take these funds, we buy the things that we're meant to buy on the campaign pages, and then we support them into stable jobs and stable homes. So um, this all makes a lot more sense when you go check out the website and you can just see the people there, you can read their stories and you can, and you can back them. And the really the sort of different thing about Beam is that when you support people on the platform, you get these transparent updates um, in the form of emails and you can actually see them progressing. You will support a homeless person to become, let's say, an electrician. And a few months later, you're seeing a photo of them training to become an electrician. A few months after that, it's their first day at work. And you get to join them on this incredibly inspiring and exciting journey. And um, yeah, that's that's how it all works. It seems to me sort of off the bat like a real kind of give a man a fish model for kind of supporting people so actually giving people the tools to then go on and be more you know sustainably in work and in housing rather than what you might typically think of as donating to somebody who is homeless which might be when you encounter them on the street or something like that yeah it it definitely has that sort of philosophy underpinning it and I've always sort of been inspired by that model of giving people fish. Um, in I think in pretty much every major religion, there's a similar philosophy um, around how actually it's so much better to empower people to be able to support themselves. I think, you know, no one enjoys being reliant on others. I think that's a fundamental sort of human thing, really. And being really got started and kind of in response to the exact point you're making about um, you know, how it can be better to give people a fish rather than just sort of short-term relief. So um, uh, I uh, I live here in North London and about three and a half years ago now, I, um, I stopped and I spoke to a homeless man outside my local tube station, which is Archway in North London. And um, I truth be told, I'd walked past this guy probably dozens of times before, but I decided to, to stop and speak to him that day. And... Um, I remember he told me that um, he would sit there because um, there is CCTV and that CCTV made it less likely that he would be beaten up. 
And there was this like, you know, moment where I just realized that, you know, you can be living next to someone or in the, you know, in the same neighborhood and just experiencing life in a completely different way. And he told me he was an Irish guy, mid forties. He'd been out of work um, longer than he could remember. And over the coming months, we became friends and I would um, bring him cups of coffee and we would catch up. And when it was getting colder, I'd bring him pairs of socks. And, um, And then suddenly the guy disappeared. And I didn't see him for about six or seven weeks. And I thought I'd never see him again. But then he suddenly appears um, and he looks totally different. Uh, His beard has gone and he looks really old. He looks like almost like an old man, maybe 10, maybe 15 years older now. And I go up to him and I say, "Uh, what's happened? Where have you been? And he says, I've been in hospital, had a heart attack. Oh, my God. And so we, we speak and, um, uh, I say, you know, what I can say, which feels very limited. I feel very powerless, even more so than ever. And I'm walking home to my flat and I'm so frustrated and I'm so angry. And I have been trying to help this guy. Other people have been trying to help this guy. And yet still he is in a worse position than when I first met him. And, um, I began to ask myself a question, which was what could I've done? What could I have done to make a real difference to this man's life? And clearly he didn't need another cup of coffee. What he clearly needed was the skills, the support, the training, the confidence to get back into work, to provide for himself so he could buy himself the coffees, the socks, the hundred thousands of other things we all need in our day-to-day lives. And I thought, well, look, that's going to cost more than a, than a Starbucks coffee, but what if we all chip in? What if we can pool our capital, pool our funds and be really smart about how we use that money and make effectively long-term investments into people? And that's really how Beam works. And today, um, I'm really pleased to say we've supported more than 300 homeless people into jobs. We've supported more than 50 other homeless people into their own homes. And uh, that's all come from this model of working together and pooling what we have and really providing long-term support for people. And one of the, I think, unusual things about the, the model is it's not just money. You can go to the website, you can support someone to get into a, into a job or a home, but it's not just about the money. It's so much about the support of the crowd, support of the community. Mm-hmm. When people donate, they can choose to leave a message of support. And we pass on all of these messages of support to the individual people. And that is so powerful. In some ways, it's so much more powerful than the money. People come to us. They've typically been out of work five and a half years. They've been through all kinds of issues, as you can imagine, you know, all kinds of different mental health issues, um, substance misuse issues. A lot of people have, have, have been in prison. On the extreme end, we have people who've been uh, victims of FGM, who've been human slaves, and, uh, and, and gone through some really you know, s- severe and, and difficult things. And so many of them have forgotten that their lives have any value. They've forgotten that people care about them, that people love them. And that has just become their new normal. And then suddenly they join this platform where 250 people on average support them. And they receive you know, hundreds of messages from strangers mm. saying that they care. And that leads them to totally rethink the value of their lives and how they perceive themselves. And that transformation is so essential for people sometimes to move forward with their lives. Yeah, that's that's so lovely that you, you know, they have the opportunity to then hear that people care about them. This is something that 
I can't remember who I'd seen an interview with before, but someone was talking about their experience of being homeless. And the thing that kind of really stuck in my head was them talking about how dehumanizing it is for people to walk past you all day and feel uncomfortable and not want to make eye contact with you. And just thinking about how that must feel day after day is so, I just can't, I can't really imagine like what that must do to you. So yeah, then having, you know, these messages, knowing that somebody does actually care, I can imagine that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And it's something that I, despite having had similar conversations with, with dozens and dozens of people who've used Beam, is something that I cannot truly um, understand either. And I think one of the you know, one of the things I've always felt, um, spent, having spent most of my life in London, is that we have become so inured, so desensitized to homelessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in many ways the most kind of conspicuous social wrong in our society. It's the most conspicuous sign of social inequality. We can go outside. I don't know where you are at the moment, Gemma, in London, but I'm sure you could walk outside and within 10 minutes, you could see someone who has nothing. Um, and you could walk right past them or you could speak to them or you could, you know, you have free will at that point. And of course, first and foremost, it's terrible f- for the individual in that situation. But I also think it's terrible for us to, to walk on by. You know, we have a sort of innate humanity. We want to help. We feel emotion as we walk past people in that situation. And if we do that repeatedly, like a little bit of us, a little bit of, of ourselves, of our humanity, of our souls, call it, call it what you will, is, is dying. We're switching off that fundamental humanity and saying, I'm actually going to just plow on forward and or put my headphones back in or wh- wh- whatever, it, whatever it may be. And so when we address these problems, for me, like it's not only about supporting the people experiencing them, even though that is the number one reason we exist and we are all about creating this measurable social impact, it's also about how we can you know, bond and heal as a, as a society because it's not a healthy society uh, where you have people with um, you know, as much as, as as some people do in our society and others with, with with nothing. That's that's not a healthy state of affairs for anyone in that society. Yeah, absolutely. So, who are the people who you usually end up working with at Beam, and how do they come to you? Because I feel like there there must be so so many people who need support. How are you currently? Uh, sort of being being joined up with people who you can then help to fund? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, in the UK, there are more than 300,000 people who are homeless. Uh, the vast majority of them live in homeless hostels, women's refuges, other types of temporary accommodation. Mm-hmm. Uh, tragically, a lot of them are kids as well, more than 100,000 homeless kids in the UK. And we take referrals to the platform from a mixture of um, London councils and also from charities. So uh, all the big charities that you, that you, you might know refer to us um, as well, and the caseworkers in those organisations, whether they're a local authority or whether they're a charity, are effectively the eyes and ears for the platform. And they will be working with individuals who are reaching a point of stability, and they'll have a conversation, say, "Do you know what? You know, you always wanted to be an X, Y, or a Z. Well, maybe you can join this platform called Beam." have a chat to them and see if they can help you. And then they have a conversation with one of our team. They work out um, whether they can, whether they basically want to want to join the program. We give them as obviously a lot of opportunity to ask any questions. Um, we then set a plan for them. We then raise the funding that they need on beam.org and then we support them to achieve that goal. 
And after they start a new job or move into a home or both, we provide six months of support, just making sure that they're settled and stable in their life. And I'll say the, probably the, the, the final, final, final stage, which is in some ways the most exciting ones, is when people who have been through the program and are settled and financially stable join the platform as supporters and donate each month through the platform. It can be something as modest as one pound or two pound. It's so exciting and so empowering for them to within the space of often six months, gone from someone who has been reliant and dependent on other people for years sometimes to being a patron of a whole new generation of people who they can inspire and they can support as well. That's so lovely. And there's something really circular about it that just feels it's so nice that then they're able to be in a position where they can then help other people who they'll really understand what they're struggling with would you say there are particular kind of demographics or profiles of people who you tend to work with a lot more I'm kind of thinking of so you've obviously said that it tends to be people who have got to a certain stage and they're ready to kind of progress a little bit more. I am thinking about a conversation I had with um, a guy who was homeless uh, in King's Cross a couple of years ago. Um, And I can't think where we'd been, but I was with a friend of mine and he was outside McDonald's and we ended up being like, would you like any food? Went and got him some food. And then we ended up having having a chat for quite a long time, actually. And he was telling us about how he came to become homeless and about his family, but was also then saying that for him, he felt like he was quite far down the list of somebody who was going to be uh, kind of who would be receiving social housing, for example, because and understandably because there's different types of danger, but women and children are quite often prioritized or there's more shelters that are specifically for women and children yeah I, I, don't, I don't know I don't know if that's how it works or not but it, it's always kind of stuck with me and you think you know are these people who then come and work with you because they they have a lack of other options so there are I guess um some uh, different sort of demographic characteristics of, of of people experiencing homelessness um of course everyone is is, is totally unique in their story um but there are some common common trends unfortunately i think it's probably a bit of a myth um that um often people say homelessness could happen to anyone or everyone is just one paycheck away from homelessness uh i personally don't agree with that i'm not one paycheck away from homelessness and i think in some ways that acts as a bit of a smoke screen to the conversation that we should be having which is there's real inequality and some people and some groups are dramatically more likely to become homeless yes. than other people. And um, when we got started, we were working with charities um, who were focused on rough sleepers. And um, we still find about a third of the people using the service have, have, have been on the streets. And um, uh, the people who are experiencing rough sleeping, uh, they tend to be um, skewed to men for um, the reason that you you just gave Gemma, which is that um, on average, men are less likely to be in the priority need category compared to to women and children. Now, um, the majority of the people that we're working with are in homeless hostels, um, emergency accommodation, uh, women's refuges. Uh, 
they're not on the streets, but they're often in dire, dire housing situations, often a family with young children living in one room with uh, you know, various sanitary issues within that one room. You know, th- it's really a pretty, pretty terrible place to be. Um, but it's better than being on the streets. And these groups are skewed to to women and children. Um, so uh, at the moment, yeah, there is a skew in terms of the referrals to, to women. There's also a skew to BAME um, individuals as well. About 60% of referrals at the moment are BAME. And... Um, you know, our, our job really is to make sure that we are addressing um, the diversity of, of the homeless community and making sure that we're helping um, a diverse group of people as effectively as we can and that we are responsive to their needs. So, for example, when COVID happened, we suddenly saw this quite scary surge in the number of people needing our support. And um, we obviously have limited resources. We're a really small organization, much, much smaller than the homelessness organizations that your listeners are probably aware of. And we had to think, you know, what's what's the most effective use of our own resources and our time? And so we went out to the group of people that we we're working with and we realized that because um, so many of them were single mothers with young children, they were really struggling to afford um, some fundamental things um, and the organizations supporting them, whether they're charities or government partners, didn't necessarily have the same nimbleness as us to get the things they needed urgently into their hands. So we repurposed the the tech that we'd built, the crowdfunding tech. We ran um, crowdfunding campaigns for emergency supplies. And um, within, within days, we were getting what we called emergency care packages um, out to these families. And they um, included um, sanitary products, um, included food. Um, they also included things like educational um, tools and tablets for the children because the, the kids weren't able to continue their education and there was just a real risk of a you know, kind of um, divide being created where kids from more middle-class backgrounds were able to continue to learn in a more uninterrupted fashion. And these kids just saw their sort of learning and education ground to a, to a halt yeah. because the parents couldn't provide what they, what they you know what, what they needed to in terms of... Um, uh, tablets and, and textbooks and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, our job is just always to be as responsive as, as possible. Um, getting feedback from the people using Beam, so um, the homeless individuals themselves, we call them our members, uh, is a huge part of the model as well. So we are constantly getting feedback from them. We send out all kinds of automated messages to make sure that they are constantly telling us how we can do a better job. They're also constantly feeding back on the job that they've started and how well that is working for them. And we want to make sure that we are continuing to provide the best possible opportunities for people. So today um, we have begun working with um, lots of really, really prestigious UK employers. So we work with people like Ocado and Bupa and the NHS and, and many others. And our job is to continue to work with more companies because we're also providing a real service and solving a real problem for them. And the problem we solve for them is that they are struggling to hire as diversely as they should be. Mm-hmm. And particularly in the wake of Black Lives Matter, people are aware that companies to be healthy, well-functioning and effective organizations 
just need to be doing more. And um, at the same time, I think there's a general sense around people in HR teams in companies that they don't really know where to turn. Often there's a lot of goodwill. Um, they want to do more on diversity. And I'm not just talking about ethnic diversity. I'm talking about every type of diversity, um, uh, sexual diversity, um, uh, age, uh, socioeconomic diversity and others. Um, they often know they need to do more on all these things, but they, they don't quite know how to do it. They don't know where to turn to. And so our job um, is to provide them with diverse talent. And um, that's through a service that we've launched called Beam Recruit, which is effectively the sort of recruitment arm of Beam. That's reminding me of when talking about kind of getting people into work as well. There's um, an advert that I saw over the weekend, I think it was, for a UK bank, which is starting to provide... Um, people with no fixed address with a bank account and it was kind of talking about the the sort of circle of issues that you get into whereby when you don't have a bank account you can't be paid into your bank account and that's something you need if you you know if you don't have an address you can't provide it for a job if you don't have a job you don't get the money and I, I can't remember all the stages of this you know circle that was going around but it did just make me think it's you really need that first step like it has to start somewhere which is when then when you look at a platform like beam and you're obviously helping people just get that footing that you need because I think it's it's easy to kind of look at people who are in a very different situation to you and think you know a lot of people will look and be like oh why don't you do this and why don't you do that whereas actually it's very very difficult to kind of pull yourself up out of a situation once you're in it yeah a hundred percent. I think it always takes that first step. I mean, sometimes people are so focused on steps four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten that they actually just get distracted from what is the right next play for them? What's the right next move? And um, sometimes, you know, it's a move for the individual um, we're working with. And um, I'll give an example of that. And sometimes it's a move for the for the supporter as well, or for the member of the public deciding to take a positive step forward with their life in terms of how they can be part of a solution to these big, big problems that just should not be existing in 2021. Um, I'll give you like quick example of, of this sort of like exa- example, I guess, of someone taking this next step for themselves and the impact that can have on their life. I remember um, the, the second homeless hostel I went to I met a guy there who listened to me explain how Beam works and he sort of came up to me and he said, this sounds really interesting, but um, it's not right for me. I say, why not? He says, oh, I've been um, smoking weed for years and I'm, I, I still smoke it all the time. And um, we talk about that and I say, you know what? You're absolutely right. Beam is not for you, but you seem like a great guy. And if you can get clean, then we would love to work with you. And we think you could do fantastic things. And so he sort of listens and nods. I walk out that homeless hostel. I never expect to see that guy again in my life. Six months later, his caseworker gets in touch. He's been clean for about three months. He joins the platform. He uh, crowdfunds to get training as a forklift digger operator gets his qualification, gets back into work, earning really, really decent money in the construction industry. And now he's away, you know? And I think what really hit me about that conversation was this guy had been in this rut 
for years. And he wasn't a young guy either. I think he was in his in his 50s. And so there was a real opportunity of him just staying in that rut for the rest of his life. And I think all it shows is that if people can cling on to a glimmer of hope and act on that hope, that can sometimes be enough. And in many ways, our, our product, if you like, to the people we work with is hope. It is hope that a better future and a better life exists for them. And our job in that perspective is just to make sure that all of the hundreds of thousands of homeless people in the UK and all of the millions of other disadvantaged people who don't have the opportunity they deserve, they all have that glimmer of hope. It's a little spark, it's a little ember. And our job is just to blow that gently and blow it into life and turn it into a raging, you know, a raging, roaring, successful fire where that person is thriving. So I guess that's a sort of step forward for the individual we help. And I think, you know, for the people that are listening to this, you know, most of whom are hopefully not in that kind of position, I'll just say, take a step forward now, be part of a solution to this problem, be part of civic society, go to an organization that you think is doing good work in this space or go to beam.org, give a quid a month or give less if, if you can't afford a quid a month. Share the updates of people progressing with their lives. Send some positive messages. Send some love. Send some goodwill. Send good vibes. And and do something positive. Because if we all do that tiny little thing, then truly we can solve this problem. And we can solve this problem much, much quicker than we think. Um, I think there's a lot of cynicism. You talk about issues like homelessness to people and there's a resignation. And I think that is, for me, that's just needless cynicism. Because look at what we have done as a species. We've put people on the freaking moon decades ago. We've developed vaccines to viruses at lightning speed that no one thought was possible. You know, we've done a million other incredible things as a species. For F's sake, I'm pretty confident we can solve homelessness. Mm. It's. It makes me think as well, like you say, you just... talk. We're talking about vaccines and how quickly we managed to solve these problems. Um, not well I don't want to say completely solved we're on the way we're on the road we're, we're doing yeah. it now um, but it also makes me think of the response um, to housing the homeless community in hotels while they were empty and it was a matter of COVID safety more than it was a matter of the safety yeah. of the individual people what kind of effect generally has the pandemic had on the homeless community have you seen a lot more people becoming homeless has it been different because I'm kind of now imagining you know if you usually have a lot of people together in a shelter that's a very difficult place to social distance and yeah. you know have these places had to close what kind of impacts have we seen yeah I guess one of the sort of early narratives that that was going around around COVID and that was probably partly the sort of Tom Hanks effect was a narrative around kind of, you know, we are all in this together. Um, it affects all of us equally. There's no hiding from it, et cetera, et cetera. True to an extent, to an extent. Yeah. Um, of course, we all know that the reality is that these hardships and these challenges fall very differently on different types of people. There are some people who can uh, compl- or very largely insulate themselves from these things. And people experiencing homelessness are, of course, not in that category. Yeah. Uh, if you're experiencing homelessness, as you say, Gemma, you're much more likely to 
um, to struggle to, to socially distance yourself and you're much more likely to have some kind of underlying health issues um, and be more just you know physically vulnerable to, to COVID as well. Um, you're also much more likely to be impacted by the you know, economic duress of, of what's happened um, in terms of um, upheavals and layoffs and all of these things. And there are lots of people who um, are um, still homeless, but they're doing some kind of super low paid or really unstable work as well and uh, have been tipped into homelessness through the economic dislocation and, and the upheaval. So really it's been a problem that has been disproportionately borne by people who are going into this crisis in a more vulnerable situation. And um, we saw very quickly that there are four times as many referrals coming to the platform. And so the the need for organizations like Beam to step up and help more people has never been greater. And um, for us, the current bottleneck to helping more people is just the donations coming through the website. We have a, effectively a huge queue that's formed of people that want the service. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, they're referred to us by councils and charities. And increasingly, they're also referred to us by people experiencing homelessness because they know other people in the same boat. And they're recommending to their friends and contacts to join. Um, the typical way that people support people on the platform is they donate each month. Um, at the moment, a couple of thousand people donate each month through the platform. We think that's a drop in the ocean in terms of the number of people who care about this issue in the UK. If that can become 4,000 people, we can help double the number of people. Brilliant. Um, if we can become 10,000 people, we can help five times the number of people and so on. So that's kind of where the bottleneck is at the moment. And um, you know, it's why I'm constantly talking about Beam and doing podcasts like this yeah. to try and get the word out. Because we don't have a marketing budget, by the way. You know, A lot of people think that organizations like us are flashing millions of pounds and putting up billboards. We do not have a marketing budget. Mm. We do not spend money on marketing. So we are reliant on, on word of mouth and you know, conversations and, and you know, goodwill of people like you inviting me onto, onto your show to, to help get the word out there. Well, I hope that after today we will have some some good influence listeners <laughs> becoming becoming donators on your platform because I certainly will be doing that. I hope so too. I have added Beam to the do good section of my website. So if people are looking for opportunities for just little things to do that they can put some good out into the world, then you're you're on my list now too. Lovely. Thanks so much, Gemma. You're a hero. So actually brings us around really to talking about listeners who have sent in questions and the most common question I think that I had is from people asking, I think it's quite a common thing that people say that it's not good if you see somebody who is on the street and who is asking for money. It's not actually a good thing. It's not actually a helpful thing to do that. And people wanting to know whether it's right. I think if you, I mean, if you live in London and you use particularly, particularly the London Overground ever, you'll be familiar with that message of, if you see someone homeless or asking for money, donate to the Whitechapel Mission or, you know, which sounds very much like it's discouraging actually handing money to people. I wonder if you've got any insight on that and whether it is a good or not thing to do because when you hear people going around and they'll kind of tell you what's going on with them or say you know they'll say I need money for a hostel or something and I think it's difficult anyway now because we carry less physical money at the moment and you know pandemic especially nobody wants to carry cash it's becoming a more cashless society. There's been less people on the streets. But if we do 
have change or have cash or have money on us is that an okay thing to do is that actually helpful to someone well it's a great question and there are so many people out there who know a lot more about this than me now the reason why people will often say do not give cash to individuals on the streets um typically there's a few reasons um uh, there have been uh, reports that it's mostly or a lot of it would be spent on on drugs and alcohol of course the counter argument is well it's up to them and i would if that mm. was in I was in their shoes. Um, and another argument against it that people sometimes make is that um, uh, there are people on the streets who are actually not experiencing homelessness, but they are just professionally begging, if you like, and you don't really know that these individuals need the help that they say they need. Um, ultimately, I feel like, you know, it's, 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 up, it's up to each individual to make this decision for themselves. Um, but I personally have have chosen not to and you know one reason i've built beam is in response to my own personal desire to to do something long-term impactful for those individuals yeah um if you go back to the story at the beginning i know that i could have bought that person a coffee which i by the way i think is asking someone what they want food or drink i think that's a for me personally that's a better thing to do than than giving someone some money, like you were saying before, you know, having a conversation with someone, are you hungry, are you thirsty, I'm popping into Sainsbury's, can I pick up something for you? Um, for me, that's a nicer thing to do. Of course, saying hello to someone, mm-hmm. engaging with them, making them feel human and alive and valued is, is you know, an even more important thing to do. But yeah, for me personally, I wanted to really have that level of comfort that I was helping someone in the long term to a better future and also that they were getting the professional support that they need as well. So that's really how we've built, how we've built Beam. So we're making sure that when people donate, the cash isn't handed out to the individual. We purchase all of the things that that individual needs to progress with their lives. Mm -hmm. And it could be all kinds of different things that I mentioned earlier from boots to training courses to childcare. Um, but the other thing they get is that professional one-to-one caseworker who is super well-trained and who can work with them on all the different challenges they're, they're facing in their life. Um, so it's not a short or succinct answer. Um, for me, I guess we built Beam because I think personally, I think we can do better mm-hmm. um, than, than hand out cash. For me, that is a short-term solution sometimes for the individual handing out the cash as much as it is for the person experiencing the problem. It may make them feel better in the moment. It may make them feel like they are making a contribution to this challenge. Um, and some of the time they will be, some of the time they won't be. And I think we've tried to build a system where 100% of the time they have the confidence that they will be. Yeah. It's it's a tricky one because you can never speak for all individuals in all cases, but I suppose yeah, that is it's a good answer of just kind of saying you know, if if you're comfortable with doing that and you feel like that's what you want to do, then go ahead and do it, but if not then there are other ways that you can help people. And also, yeah, like you say kind of emphasizing if you see somebody, even if you say you think, oh, well, I would, but I I actually don't have any change. At least like make eye contact and kind of say like, say that you hear them. Because I do find it quite heartbreaking. Like it is, it's usually on trains in London when I see a lot of people who are asking for money. And yeah. it's just when 
it's kind of headphones in, eyes down, like you don't want to make any eye contact. Like it's just, it's it's really awful. And I feel like even if you can, you know, you make the decision for yourself whether get, handing somebody actual cash is something you want to do, but at least, you know, like make eye contact with them. Like say, I'm sorry, I don't have any change or, you know, smile at them. Totally. I, I think that is, you know, the big takeaway is that human social interaction, which just can be so valuable for people. Um, and that is something that I would, I think is always welcome seeing how people are, seeing if they need something and if you'd like to pick up something for them. Um, also always, always, uh, you know, uh, can be a kind thing to do. I remember one time I was, um, speaking to a lady who was, um, uh, sleeping in a kind of subway tunnel and, um, uh, I didn't have any, I didn't have any cash on me at all. And, um, I wasn't able to give her any money. Um, and I didn't then, um, but we did speak for about 10 or 15 minutes. And the thing that stayed with me was she said that, um, she got given a, this is, uh, she got given 50 quid if I remember correctly, um, by some drunk person who, um, just kind of came past and just sort of, it was in the city and, you know, probably some, you know, well-paid city person and got out the money and just gave, gave her 50 quid. Yeah. Um, but she actually said that the conversation she had with me was just, you know, th- the highlight of the day, way more so than getting that 50 quid because she didn't feel that there was any real care, authentic care in that person yeah. being drunk and just like pulling out a few notes and sort of throwing them at her, you know, figuratively. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, try and speak to people, um, even when it can be, you know, a nerve wracking experience, because, you know, I find it difficult to speak to people I don't know, let alone someone who is, you know, clearly in a difficult situation. Um, I'm quite an introverted person. I'm quite a shy person. Um, and it's not an easy thing to do. Um, so it does take real, real courage. Um, and that's courage that, you know, fails me often. Yeah, I think, like you say, that's a, it's a nice way of doing it. You do you will quite often see people outside supermarkets or food outlets and things like that. And I think that's a nice way to strike up a conversation as well by kind of saying, you know, would you like anything? Is there anything I can get you? So that could be could be a way into it too. For sure. And like with all these things that become easier, right? You know, when you when you've spoken to when you've struck up third conversation with someone in that situation, the fourth, fifth, sixth, they all become easier. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Amber, who says, Homelessness is a cause I'm so passionate about. I used to work in adult education and specifically homeless and ex-offender education and support. I'd be so interested to know Alex's thoughts on how we can tackle the stigma attached to being homeless, particularly when it comes to education, training and the workplace. I found that employers in particular were reluctant to say to take on someone from a homeless background. What a great question, Amber. So thank you for thank you for asking. Well, how do we tackle the stigma associated to homelessness? Well, I think for me there's one way to do this, and that is by taking the conversation away from something abstract like homeless people and by making it really concrete and using real examples of people affected by this issue. And so all of the time we are talking to big companies, small companies, giant companies um, who are hiring people from Beam. And the reason they have the confidence to hire people from Beam is because we have shared stories of people who have used 
the platform. We've shared the story of the, the young women who um, you know, experienced abuse for a few years and then we supported to become an accountant. We've shared the story of the, you know, the graduate who um, was sleeping rough in the park for months and we've supported to become a, a care worker. Mm. And, and, and dozens of others, um, like uh, the man I mentioned before, like the first person we, uh, we ever worked with, a guy called Tony, you know, after work 20 years, he'd been in prison, drug addict, alcoholic, estranged from his family, living in a homeless hostel, out of hope, supported him to become an electrician. He's been the most brilliant employee and progressed and progressed in his role. You know, all of these different stories we tell, and they give people confidence that these are decent, good people who will do a good job, who will look after a home. And in our experience, that is overwhelmingly true, and then some, because the people that we're supporting into jobs and homes have a gratitude for those things that so many people do not. Yeah. They have an opportunity, they have a desk, disposable income and a salary and status and stability and all of these things, and they do not want to go back to where they've come from. So they have a determination and a resolve that is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, and, you know, and then you take this story as we do of how we've supported people to work at a Bupa or an Ocado or a supermarket or, you know, all these different companies. And then we tell that story again. And then other companies look at those companies and say, that's great. They're doing that. Why can't we? So for me, it's about storytelling. Um, that's what I would say, Amber. I think that is, I think an advantage that we've had at Beam is the ability to tell stories. So each person uses the platform. Um, usually they use a photo themselves, but not always. Some people um, use the platform without a photo. Um, but regardless, each platform, each person has a story and they share that story. And it's a space for them to talk positively about their experience. And it's a space for other people to pause for a moment, to empathize, and to reconsider the stigmas that um, exist and their prejudices, um, conscious and unconscious. And for me, like you know, that's that's the power of storytelling. I I'm, I study literature, um, as you saw before, Gemma. I've got like a whole long you know, long bookshelves of novels and all kinds of other, you know, dusty crap on my bookshelf. And when I was reading all these things, I just was sort of, I never thought there'd be any practical value to all these stories. I just enjoyed them. But as I guess I've got a little bit older and started working in social enterprise, I've realized that storytelling is so powerful and I'm just a novice. But what I do know is that you can change the world with stories and I think uh, what we're doing at Beam is hopefully going to be a great example of that. Yeah, that's so that's so lovely. Yeah, I think you're totally right. It is like a lot of things. The way that you, I suppose, tackle stigma is by talking about it more, even though it's maybe a bit uncomfortable to begin with. And that's that's how you get places. Next question is from Ellie, who says, "I'm a part of the LGBTQ plus community." Even though I've never been homeless myself, I know that the rates of homelessness among young members of the community can be quite high. Could you give some information about what to do if you're in that situation or do you know of any resources that could help? Ellie, thanks so much for that question. It's a really important one. There is sadly um, quite a strong connection between 
being um, LGBT and homelessness. And hopefully in the coming years, we're going to break this connection. It's something we see quite a lot with Beam. Um, I think of uh, one young woman, for example, um, 28-year-old woman called Karen became homeless after coming out to her family. She lost her home. She lost her support network. And we work with her um, to fund her rental deposit, her first month's rent, and to get her stably into a new home with her with her dog, um, who I call was was called Linda, um, and um, and she was just one of the people that we worked with experiencing that. In terms of where is the best place to go for advice, it will depend a lot on your on your circumstances. Um, if if someone is um, uh, in, in, in Greater London um, and looking to join Beam, uh, of course, would love a referral for that individual. Um, then there are also um, different um, helplines, for example, one run by Centrepoint. Um, there's also all kinds of different advice on the major national homelessness charities websites. Um, Stonewall will have um, advice as well. Um, so it will depend quite a lot, um, but I would... Um, you know, start with a start with a good Google, um, and you know, one of the things that I've learned is that people in this sector are so so keen to help and 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 uh, you know upfront. And if you get in touch with um, a charity and they are not the best uh, person to help you because of your specific circumstances, and of course, circumstances are hugely varying, then um, organisations will generally signpost you to a third party organisation that might be better placed. The very, very, very fundamental thing is just ask for help in the first place. Thank you for that. Next question is from Becky, who asks, I'd like to ask specifically about how the programme helps identify and treat mental illnesses that may be a contributing factor to homelessness. Both my brother and his girlfriend suffered homelessness for many years. They both battled addictions that I believe stemmed from untreated and unmonitored mental illnesses, and ultimately the addictions took both of their lives our government and medical system failed them. I try now to help out people I meet in the streets, but often wish I could do more to ease the problems that lie deeper inside. So BEAM is not a, what you'd call a wraparound service. We do not provide uh, support to every person on every aspect of their lives. Uh, We provide a really focused and effective um, employment service and a housing service. And then we work with mental health professionals and other professionals to provide the specialist support that individuals using our service would need or may need. So uh, that might mean working with a GP or a mental health worker or a psychiatrist. And really, that's what we found works best. It's when you allow every specialist and every expert to play to their strengths. And um, and that's really how the model has evolved um, at BEAM. Um, and what we're doing also at Beam is to develop more in-house expertise at the same time um, uh, and to have specialists who are more focused on working with different types of people or different communities or different challenges. But we will never have the expertise into a, you know, a complex mental health issue that a consultant psychiatrist will have and we don't seek to do their job or replace them. So it's really about working hand in hand with the experts and forming um, a wraparound um, support service with all the other professionals that are best placed to support high needs individuals. Yeah, totally. So your position would kind of be to help call in those professionals when they're needed and help people access those services rather than obviously providing them. 
Yes. So we'll do a risk assessment on each individual when they join the platform. Every person who joins, we we assess and understand um, issues like mental health. And so we um, educate ourselves about the individual and work with them to understand their risks before they join the platform. And let's suppose someone does have some serious mental health issues, um, but uh, their mental health advisor or specialist considers this to be the right thing for them, then they'll very much stay in the loop and we'll all work together to get the outcome for that person. And I think in terms of mental health, I mean, one of the things that we found and that there's a lot of evidence for is that getting people into the right role for them is hugely conducive to their mental health. Uh, People being out of work for a very long period of time or people being in the wrong job can be really harmful to mental health, which Mm -hmm. is why it's so important that we are very, very personalized in terms of what we support that person to achieve and what their goal is. Um, It could be hugely varied. We've supported people into I think more than 60 different pathways. It's everything from gardening and plumbing to caring and accountancy and lorry driving um, and 50 something other, other things. And it's really exciting for people because, you know, often at that point in their life, they've not been given many opportunities or the opportunities they have been given have been very, very limited. They've been pretty, sometimes pretty shitty jobs with really shitty money. And, um, understandably it's not, it's not appeared to them as a, an avenue that will materially improve their life or their mental health. Mm -hmm. And actually we'll sit down with them and we'll think about their strengths and think about their ambitions and aspirations and start sometimes with a pretty blank piece of paper and say, well, you know, what's the right thing for you? And, and so that's why we have such a diversity of, of different pathways that we've supported people into. And, um, I've seen that in my own life, you know, I'm not comparing myself to the people we support, but, you know, I've done jobs that have not been for me and have been really not good for my mental health. And I've done things that have been well matched to me and have had a really positive impact on my mental health. And I think that's, that's the same for everyone. Yeah. So very, very individual. And also it's not just about shoehorning somebody into a job to say that you've got them a job. It's about really finding out what they want to do and what's going to make them happy long-term. Absolutely. I hope that was um, helpful, Becky, for specifically how Beam works um, to do with mental health. Um, Last question, which is maybe quite a complicated question, um, is from Ellen, who asks, what plan do you propose is presented to the government in order to reduce the amount of homelessness and unemployment in a society where there is such a great range in wealth? Well, uh, that is a great question, Ellen. It's a big question. Um, For me, this is about a creating a situation where everyone is playing to their strengths. Um, now, a lot of the time, um, everyone is focused on what one single uh, one single player in the ecosystem is doing. People are saying, it's charities need to do better and fix this. People need to do better and fix this. Homeless people need to solve these problems for themselves. Or, you know, the government is failing. And for me, that whole approach to this problem is is unproductive the reality is that everyone needs to play a part in making progress and ultimately solving this problem Uh, of course homeless people need to be actively involved in their own futures and have confidence and hope to do that the public need to be actively involved as well and we build a platform and a public brand for them to them to get involved Mm -hmm. um 
charities need to be involved and they're referring people to the Beam platform as well. Um, and the government um, needs to be involved as well. And they're also referring people to the Beam platform. And uh, f- for me, what the government needs to do is to seek out the most scalable and effective solutions. And um, we think Beam is one of them. It's not the only one, but you know, Beam is one of them. And to make sure that they're investing properly in, in new solutions that can help meaningful numbers of people and, um, and really move the needle on these problems. And you know, I think Government is doing that. Um, there is a lot of progress. It's very easy to um, to get frustrated, and I feel those frustrations very often. But I think we are beginning to head in the right direction. Um, but you know, I also want to like draw attention to a group of people who uh, maybe should get more flack than they do, and they're people a bit like me um, who are entrepreneurs and who know how to build things and who um, can you know, release technology and, and use data and all of these things that, you know, are necessary to solve complicated problems like homelessness and many others. You know, entrepreneurs, you know, in the UK and around the world, we need to wake up. We need to start doing uh, more to present interesting and innovative solutions to government. Um, I would say that is the case as well. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm including myself in that group because you know, it's only relatively recently in my career that I've been working on social impact. It's the minority of my career. You know, I spent a lot of time doing things that had nothing to do with, with social impact. But I would love to see entrepreneurs come together, step up, and start building new services that government can use to to sort of turn the tide on these on these problems. Because you know, government's great at lots of things. Government's very good at collecting taxes, but when it comes to social innovation which is often about building technology cheaply, quickly. That's not what government, you know, has or, you know, has ever pretended to be, to be, to be great at. Um, and so it requires, you know, everyone to, everyone to step up, um, government, the public, employers as well, um, and, and entrepreneurs. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I'm going to sneak in a last question because I think it'll be a quick one and a nice one to end on. Um, so last question from Debbie, who says, if there was one message that you could get across to the general public about homelessness, what would it be and how can we help you achieve it? Well, thanks, Debbie. I better not screw this up because this is really like the sort of golden ticket type final question, (laughs) isn't it? The message is you can make a difference and you need to make a difference. There is an individual responsibility on all of us um, to play a part in this solution, as we've talked about. So I think that's the message. Um, it is an anti-hopelessness message. It is an anti-cynicism message. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I'm, that gives, that really inspires me is, you know, the new generation coming through now um, in their 20s um, who are bringing a whole new energy and a whole new dynamism and drive and idealism to social impacts and who are blowing out the cobwebs of, people of my generation who um, have often given up on these problems. And it's often said in a kind of like glib throwaway way, you know, we can fix this, we can do it, we can change it. But like, it's bloody true. It is. Um, And I think that is the message um, that we can get out there. And so, um, you know, find organizations that you think are doing impactful work. Um, You know, Beam is one of them. Beam is not the only one. share their share their good work get involved and be a part of the solution because together we truly can fix these things 
If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs and email me at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things that I ask every guest, and that's if listeners want to find out more about what we've been talking about today. Could you please give us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? So in terms of stuff to read, watch, listen, well, a few things. Um, uh, I love this little book called The Little Book of Bob, and it's written by James Bowen, and um, he's our ambassador at Beam. Some of you may know him. He's a bit of a celeb, and it's full of all kinds of lovely bits of wisdom that come from James's life living on the streets with his cat, Bob. Something to listen to. Um, I would check out a lovely podcast called The Blind Boy Podcast. It's really funny, um, but he also does talk about more serious topics like mental health and homelessness. And then in terms of stuff to watch, um, I saw this really cool documentary on Netflix the other day called Sherpa. And it's all about the relationship between people in the Sherpa community who are supporting um, foreigners to climb Everest and the social injustice that exists in that relationship. And um, it's a really, really interesting story, um, really beautifully told. But... I would also say go check out um, the incredible stories on Beam.org. Um, there's so much there to read, to watch, to listen to. Um, and uh, these are the stories that, you know, are occupying my, my thoughts at the moment. And these are the stories that I'm, you know, digesting and sharing and being inspired by. So in 2016, I became homeless. Um, I had the unfor- unfortunate experience of um, being in an abusive relationship. My daughter was only six months old um, and we left literally randomly in the same day um, with just bin bags. Um, I didn't know where else to kind of turn to um, or where to go. I went over to the council and they were able to help me um, into a hostel, but I also needed extra help. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do career-wise and how to kind of make money because unfortunately I had to leave my job in order to get housing. And... Beam was introduced to me and they were able to guide me in the right direction when it comes to my career. They were able to crowdfund for my diploma um, to be a dental nurse and they crowdfunded nearly £4,000 with loads and loads of messages from people just encouraging me. Um, Fast forward now, I started working as a dental nurse and was fortunate enough to move over to the personal assistant front as well. So I'm working within a dental practice over in Harley Street. Without Beam, I wouldn't have had the confidence to even start working in that kind of field. Um, the finances as well, to be able to even dream of doing that. But now it's become a really good dream of mine um, to help other people in that situation. And I've been able to use the skill sets that I've learned from being a, a personal assistant slash dental nurse to be able to help lots of other people in this situation, you know, by being caring and, and, and understanding and helping them with their mental health and everything. So I was able to start a charity called A Hand to Guide, um, which is a 24-hour body service for victims of domestic abuse and uh, homeless people as well. We just are, are, are there to be the guiding hand and provide a nice buddy ship um, to be able to get them into any services that they require. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all down to Beam. It really is. Thank you for listening and thank you to Alex for joining me. 
If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're currently listening on. And if you've got an extra minute, you can leave a rating and a review as well. Your reviews make a big difference and help other people find the podcast. See you next week.